Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. It's our 85th episode. It's a special mid-month podcast this month because we'll be looking at the Spine Challenger race which starts on Saturday 17th of June. As many of you may know, Andy completed 95-ish miles of this event last year and he's back to finish what he started last year. And I'm also participating in this year's event. And therefore, what you're going to listen to in this mid-month podcast is our pre event chat so i'm going to try and learn from the master spell andy who's completed the event or most events uh, last year i'm going to learn from what he um has experienced what he learned from last year what he's going to do different uh, this year if people haven't listened to the podcast last year there was two podcasts we did last year which was andy's pre-walk interview which was podcast number 72 and then we did a post-walk podcast as well which is podcast number 74 so if you have got the time and the inclination go back to those i've actually listened to both of those in preparation for this podcast and actually i thought they were i'm not just saying this andy there were two cracking podcasts um, and I think, yeah, I, I yeah. certainly got a lot from them. So people are into doing ultra events, long distance walks. I would say uh, go back, listen to those podcasts, and there's a lot can be learned from them. But going back to this year, there's actually, tell us, yeah, I suppose I need to start off by telling us a little bit about the spine events. There's um, four races taking yeah. place, and what are each of those yeah. races? So if anyone doesn't know um, what the Montane Spine is, have a look on the internet, you'll soon find out lots of information set up quite a number of years ago by a couple of guys who wanted a really challenging event in the UK. I think they'd been doing lots of events in the Arctic and harsh winter conditions and thought, what can we do in the UK? It's called the Spine because we're going up the Pennine Way, the Spine of England. They started off with the events in January um, and then they've moved on to also doing the same events in June, which gives different challenges to, to the challenges we have in the winter. So as John said, we've got four events. So the shortest one, which by no no means is an easy challenge. I like the fact they call it the sprint, but it is 46 miles. So it's by no means, uh, you know, just a gentle jog in the park. And that's 46 miles from Edale to Hebden Bridge up the Pennine Way. Um, you've got 18 hours to complete it and you still have a, an ascent and descent of just over 2,000 metres. So still a feral challenge at 46 miles. So that's the sprint. The easy we, one. But then you've got to see the type of person doing that, the speeds they do it in. Yeah. And it's 46 mile, you know. Well, a lot of climbing. Yeah, a lot of climbing. None of these are easy and they all give different challenges. And I think people doing the different distances set themselves different challenges and how they're going to do it and you do get a lot of fast people across all of them to be honest but certainly on the 46 mile I've seen some amazing results there so you know everyone is doing whatever one you're doing it's a challenge so that that's the sprint and the one that me and John are doing the one that I I nearly completed last year is the Challenger South so that is starting from Edale and we go up to Hardrow 100 and eight miles if people um, don't know hard roads just north of Hawes so again you'll know Hawes in the Yorkshire so if you can picture Edale in the Peak District all the way up to hard road which is just I say just north of Hawes it's literally two miles north of Hawes yeah, and we've it? got 60 hours to do that 108 miles um John's got the height in meters so the figures in meters I think we've got is 5,451 meters descent and a similar descent 
I like feet. Well, actually, I said I like feet because I like uh, my miles, but actually, I've looked at the height and feet, and it's 17,884 feet cent and descent. So I might stick with the meters, it doesn't sound as bad. But that's the one me and John are taking part in the 108 miles. We then have, um, so one that I think is fairly new, this is one of the new ones, they do the Summer Spine Challenger North, which is 160 miles, and that's from Hardrow, where we finish, to Kirk Yetham, um at the finish of the Pennine Way. You've got 96 hours to do that one, and that one is 5,290 metres e 5,591 metres d It's interesting when you analyse that, Angie, because actually it's slightly longer, but actually it's got less climbing. So yeah. actually we've got more climbing in a shorter distance. Um, the uh, the north one, 160 miles, so significant, another 50 miles on, over 50 miles, but actually a little bit less climbing than what yeah. we're doing. So it shows, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that yeah, because I'd, I'd have thought that the not not thinking about the distance, knowing the hills that we're more familiar with in Northumberland, that that would be more of a challenge with the hills. But again, every hill's different, as we know. So <laughs> all hills can be hard at times. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I think it's great that they've brought because that's quite a new one, the Spine Challenger North. And then what I think is amazing, well, I think to be honest, everyone's amazing doing any of these, but the full spine race, that's people running, walking, fa you know, fast walking. When you look at the time, you've got to do it in 268 miles, the full length of the Pennine Way from Edale to Kirk Yetham, 156 hours to do it in. And that one has 10,700 metres of ascent and 10,941 metres of descent. And when you look at, I should have written down some of the times that people have done it in, but the, the record breakers with all these events, you look at the times, they're amazing athletes, to be honest. It's amazing. amazing. They, just, they just power on, don't they, through night and day. It's just amazing. And then when they it? get interviewed at the end and they don't look like they've done anything, they're just, you know, they're, they're machines. But me, you know, I just think it's amazing. Some of the, well, everyone, whoever's doing the events, just, just actually getting up and taking part. I think a big thing, you know. Because they, they, this full spine race starts on the Sunday. So they start 24 hours after we do, don't they? So we yeah. start at 8 o'clock in the morning on a, on Saturday morning. So a podcast is going out next week. So it goes out on Saturday. We start the uh, the, the race. And then they start on the Sunday. Just actually, out of interest, Andy, last year, what when did the first leader from the main spine race pass you? Now, I think it was before this, but um, I was getting pretty tired at this stage. Um, I definitely remember at Malham Town, people going past me, but I'm sure it was before Malham mm -hmm. Town, you know. But then there were sprint people doing the sprint. I remember when I was up um, Studley Pike. Anyone knows Studley Pike? I was up on the top there and um, I got a bit of a shock because there was someone standing at the monument. I just heard someone cough. I was the only person there. I was near the back of the field, heard someone cough, and the gentleman was waiting for his wife who was going to be coming through after doing the sprint, which again started after us but I do remember someone I, I saw um, a cameraman out with his big lens at Malham Town and I thought he's not really taking a picture of me is he the person right near the back here and then one of the the leaders went past me um, I had a feeling it might have been Anna Troop but I might mm -hmm. be wrong there but there was certainly one of the ladies who was right in the front of the field went past me at Malham Town 
Yeah, I mean, what's a, a few a few things on video where people like you see people doing our events and they're watching the leaders on the track are going any minute now, such and such, but he's going to pass. And suddenly, out of the darkness comes this runner who sprints past them like fresh yeah, day. Yeah, and, we, and those guys are like ourselves on second day, going chronically exhausted. And some guy comes running past, so uh, or guy or girl, because you mm-hmm. say that some of the ladies are very very fast. So going back to our race, let's concentrate really going yeah. forward um, about the Spine Challenge race, which is the one that Andy and I are going to participation on there's only one checkpoint that we have to go through Andy. that's checkpoint one isn't it whereabouts is that and how far is that into the uh, so that's the the main checkpoint where you can have your kit bag so that's at hebden bridge 46 mile mark so at hebden bridge it's at the scout center at hebden bridge lovely checkpoint staff amazing you get hot food there there's a place to sleep if you need it of course you've got your kit bag there so you can change clothes swap stuff out your kit bag replenish food etc i can't remember if there are pretty sure there were showers there as well um, but certainly you can get give yourself a wash and just get yourself sorted so people don't know during this event we have to carry everything ourselves we carry our food our results we don't really we're not allowed to have contact with anybody else but at checkpoint one we are we do meet our kit bag so a kit bag is an extra bag we drop off at the start and we meet that checkpoint one so in that we can put extra food in clothing in sleeping bag even, <laughs> yeah because you might you know you don't know what the weather's going to be like and you might have started with lots of clothing to do with it being rainy and wet and then suddenly as i found you know the weather that changes and the next couple of days are going to be really hot and sunny and you might have to change slightly your clothing that you're carrying um, it's just replenishing your food staff medically amazing if you need any medical help your feet sorting they're there to help you um, cut you know just amazing the people and the volunteers that are there um, we were near the back and I got in really late but I've never felt so looked after running around trying the best because they knew I didn't have much time because of the time I got there just to try and sort you out if you needed anything doing. Charging your electrical devices, your GPS devices, watches, head torches, all that sort of stuff. So that there is another checkpoint. Well, there's a couple of ones I'll mention, but that that's the main one. Really. It's the only one where you can have your kit bag. Brilliant. And what kind of time are you... This year, expect to be there. So people don't know, you'll be able to dot watch us. So you'll be able to dot watch us. At the start, well, at the end of next week, I'll send you the links to the numbers and you'll be able to see exactly where we are. If people are watching us, um, well, it's supposed to be nighttime, I suppose, before we reach that checkpoint. What kind of time, what time would you be expecting yourself to get there? Well, I'm looking at last year. I thought I was actually a bit late. I think I stayed there longer than I thought I was going to, even though I didn't really get any sleep. So I think I got there about 5.45, about quarter to six in the morning, which was much later than I was expecting. The checkpoint now, last year, the checkpoint closed at eight o'clock. I have a feeling that's seven o'clock. This year they brought that forward an hour. It's something I must, I should have really know, know that figure already, but I'm sure they brought it forward an hour. I mean, realistically, I mean, last year, I think I talked about getting there at midnight and one in the morning and I've realised, you know, what was ahead of me, which we're going to, I know, discuss further, was more challenging than I realised. I think just to get there, two or three hours ahead of what I did, you know, get there at two in the morning, three in the morning, ideally at the latest, just so you can get your head down for a couple hours. I think having a couple of hours sleep, um, I mean, when I was there, I had feet sorted, changed everything, had plenty of time for that and had food, but there was only really time for like a half hour, hours doors in a chair, not to go and lie down for two or three hours. So it's it's a hard one because we don't, you know, conditions, weather conditions can have such an effect. 
how you're feeling on the day. But with the sort of training I've been doing and sort of timescales I've set myself looking at some of the hilly challenges I've been doing in training, I've sort of sat down and looked at my timings and thought, you know, really I should be getting there at two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Something I would love to. I mean, that's fingers crossed on the day. And that'll give us that two or three hours sleep. Mm-hmm. And then there's a second soft checkpoint, as they call it, at Malam Tarnis. And yeah. that's kind of 84 miles. In yeah, so that's another. So after you've got to Hebden, another 38 mile, you get to Malam Tarn. Now, last year, that was it. Um, one of the field study centres, which I'm not sure this year if it's just going to be tense there, because I had a feeling that field study centre might have closed now, but it's going to be in the same area at Malam Tarn. Now, that checkpoint... Um, I was able to charge stuff quickly. I mean, the idea is you're in and out there fairly quick. It's like a safety checkpoint to check you're okay medically. Do you need anything doing to your feet? Lovely staff again looking after you. Quick cup of tea. Sit down, you know, get yourself together. Maybe put someone on charge, even if it's just for half an hour. But it's not a checkpoint that you go in for a couple of hours, you know. It's really a safety checkpoint and then you're on and your what way. time roughly did you get there last year then? So that would have been on the Monday morning. So I think I was there, bearing in mind, I know when I dropped out, it was about 11 o'clock in the morning and that maybe another hour or so from there. So I think I must have been there maybe eight or nine in the morning. I suppose we should really go back and tell people who have not listened to the podcast where you got up to last year. Because I know because I've interviewed you twice uh, since then. So kind of what... Where did you get up to last year? What kind of distance did you get into? And, and what did you have ahead of you? Really? So I was just coming up, starting to climb up Penny Ghent. And I was at a bit where there's a path, if anyone knows that area, where you head down to Horton in Ribblesdale. So where that path was going off to my left in Penny Ghent was up in front of us. I think, to be honest, I hadn't realised at the time, but I only had about 500 feet of climbing to do and I would have been over Penny Ghent. So officially, if you look at the track, I was at about the 91 92 mile mark actually on me recording I'd done about 97 miles but that could be through some errors I'd done where I'd went off the track a bit and come back on that you know that does happen over that distance but I suppose officially I was about 91 92 mile so I had about 18 I think I worked it out 18.8 miles based on the GPX track left to do with about nine hours so you wouldn't have been actually that far even if we go the same pace this time which I know you hope it's going a bit quicker if you kept going you, you wouldn't be that far I would have only been a few mile off I mm-hmm. think so if I'd kept going I don't think if I'd kept going at the same pace and I mean I was struggling at that time and it was really hot but I would have had to have kept going I know it wasn't a particularly fast pace over the you know the 108 miles they're just under two mile an hour potentially I wasn't far off so mm-hmm. so close really it was mm-hmm. A little bit frustrating, to say the least. So that kind of moves on and said, what are you going to do differently this time? What are the lessons you learned that you can pass on to myself and anybody else thinking of doing anything like this after doing that length last time, getting to where you did, which was so, so near. Yeah. And I said this, no, I, I've, I've, walked, I've walked that route many times. I've guided many times up Pennygent uh, with our other business shops, we holidays, we do a walking holiday there. So know exactly where you are, or you were rather. Um, no, so, so near. What have you learned? What will you do differently this time? If I start actually where I dropped out, it'll just give you an idea and my thoughts of why that scenario potentially happened and what I've tried to do in my training to remedy that and again, advice I can give. So at that point, really, I'd you know, been going non-stop for um, you know, 51 hours. 51 hours on really only a couple of hours sleep, if that, 
that's not great. So I look at it, it was really, a lot of it was psychological. I amazed myself that to actually have that little sleep and still actually, you know, at the end of it, when I actually got down to Horton and Riversdale, I wasn't in a terrible state. I was pretty fatigued, but not like in a serious condition or anything. I think a lot of it was mental in my head. I could see Penny getting ahead. I was just so tired. Um, feet were in good condition, you know, clothing, body actually didn't feel that too bad. It was just my mind and, and the tiredness really. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm going to go back to tiredness. Why was I so tired? Oh, yes, apart from the fact you've walked 90 miles, but lack of sleep. Why was the lack of sleep? Too, my pace was too slow, I would say, in the early sections, and I didn't get to that checkpoint one quick enough to enable any sleep. We know you're not going to bed down and have eight or nine hours sleep and a shower in the morning and cook breakfast and away you go. It's not quite as there luxurious as that, but just to have, I think, I've had a few hours sleep there, being that four or five hours ahead, had a few hours sleep and then potentially came out of there an hour or two sooner than I did would have just made a massive difference. I'm not trying to break any records. I would have been happy to have done it in 59 minutes and 59 seconds within the 60 hours, you know, but it's that lack of sleep. Um, I look at all the things I did right, the fact at that stage I had feet in pretty good condition, you know, and again, I look at my body, there wasn't sores and terrible. I mean, I actually thought, I, had, I mentioned at the time that I felt like I had some injuries, my knee was really sore, but actually by the time I come down to the village and I'd been met by the safety team, I'm thinking, my knee doesn't actually feel that bad, was it in my head? I mean, don't get us wrong, your muscles are going to be a bit course, sore, yeah. you're bound to have mm -hmm. aches. I had my knee strapped up at that stage, which I don't normally do, but I think a lot of it was just in my mind and tired us. So, yep, yeah, so it's, answer the question then, get a little bit quicker, I've paced myself better, I've done, I've done a lot of training over long distance paths, um, you know, same as you, I did the Northumberland Coastal Path 62 miles non-stop. I did it in 21 hours. You did it, we know, a little bit quicker than that, which we can come back to. Brilliant training exercise and great to just challenge yourself, go through the night, keep going without any help, but it's a lot flatter. So like you, I know you've done the same. I've done a lot of training runs. With, they mightn't have been the 60 miles, but they've been fast 20 miles, fast 25 miles over hilly hilly steep ground in the cheviots etc you know it's funny I, sw I saw the gps to someone last week or the week before maybe who was doing the full spine race so i said how's your training going his exact question is how do you train for an event like that and i went that's a valid point he's yeah. doing the whole of the trail he says how do you train for our I don't know, mate. I don't know. And it's exactly in for ourselves, you know, doing that short distance, it's still well over 100 miles. How do you physically train for it? Because you can't go out on a weekend and go and do 100 miles and see how I get on with it. It's not like running a marathon or running a half yeah. marathon where you potentially can because you physically can't do it. Because actually, the, the idea is when you've done that distance, you're exhausted, aren't yeah. you? And you, you take days and days mm -hmm. to recover, don't you? So as you say, I think what you've done this time I, I'm, I'm massively impressed. No coastal path. You've been out a lot more. Yeah. No climbing. I think that was the key thing. Last time you said you, you you felt you didn't do enough climbing in your training. Where I think yeah. you've done a lot more climbing this yeah, time. Yeah. So I was going. I've, done, oh, I've just done a thirty mile, and that was fairly fast. You know, I did. I actually did the coastal path last year, and the thing that stopped me last year on the coastal path was I hadn't looked after my feet properly. You know, mm -hmm. I've learned a lot more about looking after my feet. But to do that, I think you need to do a, something where you go through the night and go non-stop to see what that fatigue's like, what it's like to 
not have had the sleep, practice night navigation, all the other things. So me and you doing that 62 mile is great to get that distance under a belt. But the same as you, I've done lots of 20 mile, 25, 30 miles. I've even done a lot of 15 mile ones. I've got this constant 15 mile one I do, but it goes over some hilly ground and I'm trying to do it a lot faster than I'm going to be doing the spine bit. Let's get up, let's march up this hill. Don't do me normal. I'm just taking a photograph while I get my breath back, you know. Get me lungs better up the hills. Get me legs stronger up the hills. So what I'm hoping for, so what am I going to do different? That was the big thing. I can go back on some positives with you that I don't really need to change. So there was a lot of positives, but it was just not enough hill training and not prepared for that distance over the hill so i think if i can do that speed a little bit faster I'm not not trying to break records and just get to that checkpoint one quicker to get the sleep and it's going to i just think that's going to make such a big difference and do you think now you've walked the <laughs> route and you know the course i don't know how much you remember it because you may be fairly shattered at a certain stage is the section you kind of think i just need to get that out of the way now it may be the end is it is the sections that you kind of now think back and go Okay, that was a hard bit. That was a hard section. I need to get through that quicker or anything not like that. Not to really. me, it's just the start, really. Um, I mean, even when you get up, you know, Jacob's ladder isn't far in, mm. and it was, you know, I was quite refreshed. And obviously, it's near the start, and it was, I treaded too much. Oh, I'm just on a day's walk. Mm. Just let's not go off like a, you know, too fast. We need to pace myself. It's a big old distances, and I think that took that too literally. And I, I, I just took me time going up Jacob's ladder. I know that's really early on, but let's get these first hills out of the way. Get you know, get yourself ahead of time. You know, don't go crazy. You've got to pace yourself at the end of the day, but just get that speed. You know, mm -hmm. faster that average pace. I'll be monitoring all that. And um, another thing to mention that I just wasn't expecting. We're thinking it's it's the UK. I, I should really be aware of this you know especially living in Northumberland we get such a change in climate I wasn't expecting the heat and I hadn't done a lot of training in heat I was in Northumberland we don't get a lot of as many sunny days this year actually some of the training runs I've done it's been like even when I did the coastal path the first 30 40 mile it was boiling hot and I think I wasn't I think that heat got us a bit I wasn't expecting it you know mm -hmm. So heat training, so that's that was it. Yeah, of course, yeah, you know it, and you can handle that. But maybe more training in heat is yeah. maybe help you this time. What did you learn about your body last time? Then what have you learned? Because again, again, I don't want to ruin people who listen to pod or not yet listen to podcast. But you were in fairly good shape last time when you finished. No blisters. Feet is. Yeah. I know it sounds mad. You know, feet is the most important thing. And interestingly, when I did the coastal path. Um, uh, about four or five weeks ago the 62 miles when I got to about the last 10 mile I was struggling a little bit with my feet so you would think I would have learned uh, but my feet had got pretty wet we'd had a lot of rain during the night so it was lovely and hot during the day but we got a load of rain and I didn't stop quick enough to get um, waterproof socks on which is my tip that you know with the with the fell running trainers I'm wearing they're not waterproof my idea is you wear your normal socks that you're comfortable with. I wear a liner sock, you know, potentially tape up feet in advance where you know you've got hot spots. I always do that. But if it is raining, don't think, ah, oh, it's just a light shower and um, it'll pass. Make the time to think, actually, this looks like it's coming in a bit more. I better not take the risk. Get those waterproof socks on so that, don't get us wrong, if five miles later the rain's gone and your feet, what potentially happens is the sun comes out and your trainers dry, take the waterproof socks off. Um, I didn't do that actually when I did that coastal path a few weeks ago 
but it's hard because part in your head you're thinking I've only got 10 miles to go but I could see thinking if that had been the Montaigne and I'd been stupid enough to do that I would have been in problems now when I did the spine challenge last year there was a bit I do remember sitting next to one of the reservoirs at some crazy three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning I'd actually just went through a field of long grass and not thought about the dew on the field. It was a lovely, been a hot night and actually quite, you know, we'd had the sunny days, but there's still a lot of dew on the long grass and my trainers were soaked, but I made the, you know, I got through the field and thought, you know what it is, before this gets out of hand, I stopped. I literally had to wring out my trainers, took my socks off, dried my feet, so have something in your rucksack to dry your feet, fresh socks on. Now, there's no point now putting wet trainers back on, but they're the only pair of trainers you've got, fell running trainers waterproof socks mm -hmm. over my normal socks it was only for a short period because by the time i got in the morning the sun was out my trainers had dried out and i think just making that point of stopping and sorting your feet i couldn't believe it that despite me dropping out because of the fatigue and the heat i did not i'm being honest there was you were lucky if you could find a blister on my feet mm -hmm. they were sore and tired but just taking care of them taping them up when i got to the first checkpoint taping them up looking after them brilliant that's it so the other thing as well is, is uh, uh, people maybe don't realise this, listen to the podcast, is one thing that when you start doing these kind of distances is actually you start wearing your shoes out. So most of you guys, and, and I was like this before I started doing these events, you have a pair of walking boots, a pair of walking trainers, and you have them for the next two, three, four, five years. Yeah. The sad thing is when you start doing the kind of walking and, <coughs> and build up like we've been doing is... Um, you sadly wear them out. And that's something I've experienced. I had a fantastic comfy pair of trainers or, or Felderman yeah. trainers like you had. Um, and, and yeah, do you know, like what, six, eight weeks ago? Guess what? They fell to pieces after I'd done many hundreds yeah. and hundreds of miles. And you get, you get exactly the same pair, put them on and go, they're not the same as what they were. You've got to get them worn. And that's it. And, and that's the biggest issue I found was actually, you know, you kind of go, I'm all sorted. These are fantastic. Yeah. These are super comfy. And of course, you, they just wear out. They just physically wear out because you go and do you know, you your socks miles, as well. Yeah. I mean, I had the same as you. I was looking back, thinking, I've got so many pairs of socks I bought. I got, I, I sorted out what worked out best for me, having a thin liner sock. And everyone's going to be different to the sock they put on top. But I went for some sort of fell running ultra um, socks on top. Um, but what I found is, even though I've got loads of pairs, and same here, I've got a house full of trainers. I had, you know, three pairs of these fell running trainers, but the amount of use and hard work they've had, I suddenly thought a few months ago, my feet are getting a little bit sore again. And then you look and think, my trainers actually didn't look that bad, but the cushioning must start to go, the, the hammer and the fat, and the same with the socks. So I replenished all my socks and the fell running trainers a few months ago to give them time to wear in. I mean, it's the same as you, I bought the same ones I've used before, but the feel like new when you get them on you've got to get them worn in so yeah getting your kit tried and tested and worn in good stuff any other parts of your kit you're going to change from last year so i, I you're the same rucksack as last Actually, time no, yeah. I, yeah, yeah the backpack was one of me it's strange because i went through a few different backpacks spending a fortune on backpacks um, and eventually picked the one i wanted um after trying and trying different ones, did the 62 mile on our coastal path that I did last year as part of the training with it. Felt great on the Montaigne, 70 mile in, didn't like it, started hating it. Just things not right, zips in the wrong place, awkward to find things. It started 
it, I don't think it had the right comfort on my shoulders. Didn't seem to. It seemed to fit right, okay, for the first sixty miles. But for, I mean, that might be the case. It's very hard to, you know, get something that's going to be comfortable, maybe for a hundred and eight miles. But with a bit of sort of looking around again and trying different makes again, I found a different pack that I've given it a harder test and I've made sure it's been right full, full to its capacity with weight on everything I've done. I've tried doing some fast running with it, which I'm not potentially going to be doing on the Montane Spine, just to see how it wobbles about, how it moves about, does it rub. So I think that that was the only bit, really. I'm happy with all my clothing, my socks, my trainers, um, but really the backpack, that's the only main thing I would say in my kit that I've changed. And everything else is more than likely the same since <coughs> yeah, we did last yeah. time. Navigation, I suppose it's the GPS train podcast. We've got to talk about your navigation because as Andy changes his navigation experience <laughs> on a week by week by week basis, I suspect Andy won't be going out with the same watch no. and the same GPS unit went out last time. Not that it, the other one failed you anyway, nope. it's just that you can't really go. So <laughs> what are you Christmas going, for me coming here, uh, isn't it? Yeah. So what, what are you going <coughs> to navigate with this time? Um, yeah, so last year I had a GPS, but it was an 86i, the same as the 66i. Brilliant unit, worked great. I used the inReach tracking for my family and friends, so I had different tracking to the tracker that I know we're going to talk about that we get on the event. Um, 1 to 25. Um, actually, no, I had 1 to 50 mapping with. It was a product that Garmin don't do anymore. I had some bird's eye mapping on that, but it didn't have all 1 to 25 for the area. So a lot of what I did was with the 1 to 50 um, Land Ranger maps. So I've actually got now a... 67i with we've got the 1 to 25 map and i'm going to use with that and to be honest i was happy with the 66i i didn't have it turned on all of the time it wouldn't have lasted the 60 hours non-stop of course i can't stop and charge it at the checkpoints but with moving on to the garmin 67i i know with the testing i've been doing prior to the event i'm just going to leave that turned on for the whole 60 hours yes it'll get paused when i go into checkpoints but i'm not turning it off it's just staying on because the battery is going to last mm -hmm. and people don't know we get the gpx file for this the gpx file is something we can transfer onto our units and that will navigate us along the trail won't it so they'll give you the official gpx file yeah in the next few days hopefully and the one to 25 map i'll be honest i know it only happened a couple of times but if it's going to happen you know, it's such a big event. It, you know, I'm going to talk. I actually haven't mentioned the miles that I've done, which could be for me actually going off track a couple of times. I did do extra to what officially would be on the trail. I know that can happen because we don't all walk in straight lines and, you know, we weave left and right as, as I tend to anyway, you know. But we get the file to follow now, loaded on the map. Now, I had a couple of scenarios where, you know, we're talking about very dark conditions. Yes, I've got my head torch on, but you can't quite get your bearings the same as during the day and you're tired two o'clock in the morning. You know, you would think Pennine Way footpath signs would always be there. Not the case I found last year. I know we'd only just come out of, you know, recently out of COVID. Things mightn't have been as well maintained. But there's a couple of areas I got to where I'm thinking... I can see the, the track on this GPX file, the, the pink line in front of me, but I've got two fields here. And because I didn't have the field boundaries marked on the, so I had the lesser detailed 1 to 50 map, is it the left or right field? And there was a scenario where I went in a left field full of sleeping cows, which was a, an experience in its own. And don't get us wrong, it wasn't long. The GPS is brilliant. I didn't walk miles out my way, but still, it still, it all adds up, you know. And I did have to find my way back down and realise I should have been in the right-hand field. So I think having the more detailed Explorer maps, you can zoom in really close and go, ah, I can see that GPX file lines drawn on the, the boundary on the right-hand side. So it's the right-hand field. 
I need to go in. So that really, I mean, the, the GPS, I wouldn't have changed. If we hadn't had the 67 I come out, I would have been happy with the 66 I. I would have just turned it off when I wasn't needing it, turned it on when it's needed. The advantage now we're having that 67 I with that much bigger battery life, I can leave it on with, because I pay the subscription for the inReach, I could use that if, if I do desire for the inReach tracking every 10 minutes, knowing that the battery's gonna last, you know. Fantastic. Watch on your wrist. So you've had a number of watches in the last year, Andy. Yeah, you've, we've you've, had you've, some watches. So yeah. last year you did it with <coughs> a Phoenix. Phoenix 7X. 7X, yeah, yeah that's right. So, then what are you going to do with this time then? We're trying a new range of watches, and I just thought, what the heck, you know. I, do, I think the fact I've got the battery life now on the 67i, so that can do me full recording. Um, do I need the 7X? It was quite a big chunky wrist, uh, sorry, chunky wrist, chunky watch. I do have small wrists, you know. So we've actually got a new range of watches in. So we're looking at the Coros watches and I'm using a Coros Apex 2 Pro. My advantage with this watch is it's very lightweight. I hardly know I'm wearing it. And with the right settings, and I'm using it more, I may put the navigation on. I'm pretty sure, I mean, again, I can charge it halfway around if I want at that checkpoint. But I think with the right settings and maybe GPS only, which I think will work fine on the pen I wear, I'll be able to squeeze past the 60 hours. I've only got 60 hours to do it in. And from the testing I've been doing with the Apex 2 Pro, I'm pretty confident that the figures they quote of 75 hours with GPS are very reliable. So it's going to do the 60 hours. So I've got the screens all set up to how I would like them, really for information about what's my average speed, what's my time, what's my distance. So I'm not using it so much for the navigation. Um, and what I like with the Chorus Apex 2, I know you can do something similar on the other makes of watch we sell, like the Garmin, where they've got that rest option for ultra running. But with the Chorus, I'm going to use it where the most important thing for me is the time. I know we can all work it out in my head and it's not that hard, but when you're tired and you're trying to work out how am I doing time-wise, with the Chorus watch, I've set it so one of the data boxes is total elapsed time. So that includes your pauses. And when I go into the big checkpoints to stop maybe for a sleep, I'm going to do this feature called resume later and then to save battery I can actually take the watch just to a normal watch face and then when I want to resume the track recording and I come outside the checkpoint start it again and the nice thing is the time I will have the complete time including that stop so that's what I'm doing on my wrist and it's more really on my wrist it's it's not for the navigation even though I know I can do that it's going to be for those stats just looking quickly at how am I doing speed-wise? How am I doing distance-wise? So you got your 67 and then you got the Chorus watch on your real 67 I, sorry, the Chorus watch yeah. on the... You're going to do the two-way satellite communication <laughs> as well? You will we use that or not really? Or? Um, I, don't, I mean, yeah, there's quite a bit of the course where you don't have mobile phone signal. Um, so it's something that can come in hand. If you want to keep in touch with family and you get, you will, you know, I got messages of family last year that came through from the 66 eyes and well done, you're doing great. Um, they weren't sure if I had mobile signal or not and it just made it nice and easy that, I mean, the beauty is now with the, that in-reach device, it does have the capability where if I have got a mobile signal, but friends and family still just use the same way to send the messages to me, I'll get them via mobile signal, but on the Garmin, in, on, the, on the Explore in-reach app, uh, messenger app, should I say, and if I haven't got signal, the messages will still come through. So I do envisage that will get some use, you know. Very good. So moving on to the event itself. So registration on Friday, Friday 3 till 5. And then we have an aperitif and a few swift <laughs> lagers, do we? A few lagers the night before. I don't think so. <laughs> no. 
So registration, so we register on Friday afternoon, we get our numbers, our pictures taken, yeah. and our trackers, they actually use trackers that work off mobile phone yeah. signal, don't they, I think, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I'm trying to think, did, not, did we get the trackers on the, you know, that's a daft thing, I, I thought, you, you know, you get the trackers, you know, in the morning, because you you right. in the morning you drop your kit bag off, so, what, so when me and John do the check-in with the kit, they'll check our kit to make sure we've got, there's a big strict list of stuff you've got to carry, totally understandable, it's all about your safety and looking after yourself, so that'll get checked by the staff at that check-in, um, just to make sure you all your kit's correct, so you bring that, you tend to bring it, the easiest way you bring it in a cardboard box, it's not in your rucksack, but show them the rucksack you're going to carry, trainers you're going to wear, they check all your kit, and then when we go on the Saturday morning before start, and we get our number pinned on then in the photograph, that's when they attach the trackers to the top of your rucksack. Okay, so when can so we get our numbers hopefully before then, do you think? I think you see your number. You, you can, the, the website they use, if they're still using the same one, that open tracking, I think sometime next week you're probably going to see the event appear in all our names with mm. our number. So in theory, before you've even got your number on, I have a feeling we'll know that information to share with customers next week, if I remember from last year. Quite frankly, it's eight o'clock start on Saturday, so we'll be there even early to get our number and our picture taken and things. Will we not? That'd be quite early start. Yeah, Andy. I'm sure I was there at about seven o'clock in right, the morning. Right, okay. Very yeah. good. So in your luxury spa hotel, that you said, <laughs> you'll have to make sure you get up early. I'm slumming it in a campsite and in a tent, you know. I have to order my full English a little bit earlier than normal then. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so a good breakfast that morning. <clears throat> it is a nervous morning. There's a lot of nerves going around. A lot of excitement as well. There's a lot of buzz around the whole event. You get to the village where everyone's, you know, it is buzzing with excitement. Mm -hmm. Nerves as well. Um, it's got a nice feel to it. The staff are lovely. You get your stuff, check, you know, you, like I say, you check your stuff in. On, on the on, When you go on the Saturday morning, it's when you hand over your kit bag and they take your kit bag off you and go... Hmm, is that under the weight? What have you got in there? But yeah, you've got to make sure your kit bag is, I can't remember what the weight is now, I'll have to, I've got a little luggage um, for when mm -hmm. you go on holidays where just to check you haven't got. So you drop that off Saturday much. morning, your kit bag, do it. Saturday yeah. morning, yeah, because you might still need stuff in and out of it the night before, that's why we do that on the Saturday morning. Very good. So. And then live track and enjoy the event. So once away at eight o'clock, uh, we, you're able to see exactly where we are as we make a way across the map and see where we are within that field. Um, again, it works off mobile phones. It just drop off a little bit. You had a few problems last year where your tracker stopped working, didn't it? But yeah. uh, I mean, the safety team are amazing. They're monitoring you the whole time. I got a phone call and yes, Studley Pike at the early hours of the morning, and I was worrying, thinking, why is the safety team ringing me if I've done something wrong? It's because they really they weren't sure where I was. Because for some reason, I, th I think it very rarely happens. But it shows them monitoring it. That's the great thing. So we don't think your tracker's performing properly. It's not sending out the signals all of the time. So they, they just as soon as I got to that first checkpoint, it was changed straight away. It's the first thing they did when I came in. We're going to take your tracker off and put a new one on and just quickly test it. So really good that they do that for you. So your two things you're going to cascade your knowledge onto myself andy about what i need to do so there's two things i need to remember for those whole 60 hours what are those two things that you would after doing that event once doing it a second time what do i need to know feet feet feet, feet and feet 
it's the most thing don't listen to your body don't think i'll do it in five minutes i'll do it in half an hour i think anything i mean actually if i'm a bit more generic with that term listen to your body i feel hungry but i don't i'll get something later because it's tucked away in my rucksack my feet's got a bit of a niggling i'll do it in 10 minutes something's telling you something needs doing you need to change get some food out your main pack and put it in somewhere easier to do your body's telling you to do something do it don't say you know i'll wait five minutes i'll wait 10 minutes because that time goes and then it's too late you know so listen to your body and do stuff straight away that's the first thing and the second one is a lot of a lot of it's in your mind you know and it is going to be tough you're going to be tired you're going to be looking a bit and think oh, i just don't know if i can go on and a friend of ours said to me the other day when i met him he said i'm going to be watching you carefully and just think of me behind you saying keep going keep going you only stop when you can't put one foot any further in front of the other so really, you know, I look back, I was very disappointed. I got upset about the fact I'd pulled out. You know, it happened. It was too, once you've done it, you've done it. But yeah, I could still put a foot in front of the other. Potentially, I still had time to do it. So I think just in a lot of it's in your mind. Just think of all those people you're doing it for. You're, you know, you're raising a lot of money. We're raising money for, for people. There's a lot of people who can't do things like this. Just look at it like that and, just, you know, don't get us wrong. You don't want to put yourself in any serious problems and, and medical risks. But if you feeling down a bit just think about what you're doing it for and if you can still get your feet in front of each other and you're not in any serious problems just keep going put your head down you know are you looking forward to being back in that zone are you looking forward to that all you've got to do is put one foot in front of the other or not? I, I, I tell you i'm going to add one extra thing that i haven't mentioned you in any of this and i think you're the same and something i didn't do last year and i never thought when you said about equipment and that and not it's not for everyone but actually music Someone said to me, do you listen to music? And when they said that to me last year, I think you might have asked a question like that last year. Oh, no, I don't, you know, I like to hear the countryside around us. And, you know, often if I'm on walks, training walks, and I've got friends with us, we're friendly, you know, all chatting to each other. But actually I found on some of the long training runs I've done on my own, not to have constant music, but just every now and then, find it a bit tough. Got to get the right playlist, but put some tunes on, a little Mm. bit of music, and it, it can get you going, you know. So it's funny you say this. I I I've done a fair bit of uh, walking um, over the years and wrecking. I've wrecked the whole of the route ready for this year's event, and it was so funny because actually I was just coming back from I've been to Hexham for a, a dental appointment a, a, a week before last. It's coming back in the car, and uh, my my playlist jumped on. We have a number of playlists on my phone. And my playlist jumped on, which is one I will use often when I'm, yeah. I'm walking. And I remember it, it took me to that zone, which I've gone so many places. And I thought to myself, I cannot wait for the Spine Challenge race. Yeah. Because for one time in my life, don't take this the wrong way to my wonderful customers, I can be totally selfish. Yeah. Because actually all through my life, all through what I do in my world is, you know, people who listen to this podcast may get an email from me on Saturday at 8 o'clock at night because I'm delivering a course here, I'm doing that there. My whole life is dedicated to my customers. I wish I thoroughly enjoy my job. I thoroughly enjoy what I do. I enjoy the staff. I enjoy everything. For one point in my life when I'm walking these long-distance trails, I can be totally selfish because you've got to be selfish. You've got to go, do you know what? I'm listening to this music. I'm in the zone. I'm walking this. I frankly don't care if somebody's ringing my mobile phone because actually yeah. that's not important. It's important that I put one foot in front of the other, exactly what you say to get to that zone. And and, and for me, it is, you know, like music takes you back to places. Mm-hmm. And for me, a music is 
and, and the most important thing in my kit bag, not the most important thing, but one of the most important thing is, is keep my AirPods powered for 60 hours yeah. so I can listen to that music because it is, it is that... Um, some of the steep hill climbs I've done in some of my training runs and I've put the music on mm-hmm. and I've looked at that hill as you, you know, a hill always looks worse as you're coming down a hill to go up it. And the next thing you know, I'm sort of three quarters away up the hill mm-hmm. thinking that's just gone. And the music does help. Um, so it'd be funny if um, if you do see me and John out and there's bits where we could be together. We, we do different paces, we're different styles of walking. I'm sure we're going to start together. There might be bits where you see us together. We haven't fallen out if you see us not talk to each other. We'll be zoned out with our different music on just to keep us going because it, it does help. And I should, I kind of believe I didn't even mention that because it's something that is in the back of my mind that... Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely bringing. I don't think I'll have the capability to have music for sixty hours, but I think the stuff I'm bringing with us for my music, there's at least twenty hours there, and that twenty hours will be enough for those hard periods when I need that boost, you know. Yeah, so I'm I'm a totally selfish walker. I'm, I'm somebody who doesn't walk with anybody. I know um, when I go out walking on my like all my all my adult life I've guided people at their speed I've done what they want when I go and do these events I just walk at my speed listen to my music focus on what I want to do and that, that's how I've managed to get myself um, to this such day, a big so, event yeah. I know people do do it together and in pairs and teams but the, it's hard to get someone who's going to be that, over that such a long distance I think you have got to be a bit selfish mm-hmm. and just put your head down and do it and you're going to meet lovely people on the way and there's going to be times you are walking with someone and having a bit of chat giving each other some motivation but a lot of it you are going to be on your own you know mm-hmm. so it's all on this Saturday so this Saturday is live tracking I'll send every on Friday's newsletter hopefully we'll have our numbers in the Friday newsletter that goes out this Friday if not I'll post them on social media I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, but I'm going to try and post a little bit on social media as I walk it. So I'll be able to maybe potentially do some videos. Um, I don't know how, how that will work uh, to keep people updated with what we do. So again, depends on how it all goes. So keep a, a look on, keep an eye open for both the Shepherd's Walks uh, Facebook page and also the GPS Training Facebook page. Um, and also, yeah, keep keep an eye on the live tracking bit, see exactly where we are. So... I suppose without it goes without saying, Andy. Best of luck, mate. Yeah, hope everything luck to you goes as well, well I mean, um, for next Saturday. We've got to smash it. We've got to hope the weather's fairly good. We've got to be focused and um, just power through. And then we'll do a podcast in a couple of weeks' time once we've blanked all the pain and the <laughs> sorrow yeah. and uh, and go there. You're raising a little bit of money for charity, and I think you've opened your charity page up again, have you, or not? Yeah, for it? Same as you, I mean, we're both doing it for Northumberland National Park mm-hmm. Mountain Rescue. I've just left the same one that I had last year, I just reopened that one. I didn't, you know, it's one times are hard, and I know a lot of people, you know, it's a hard time, time at the moment, and I always feel that. I do different events often each year and normally I just leave it a few years before I stop doing, you know, doing my fundraising. So I haven't pushed it as much, but at the end of the day it's there and I've, it's done well. I got a lot of money last year, so I've just left mine open. And of course you've got yours, you're sharing, which is brilliant. You're doing Northumberland National Park Mountain Rescue as well. And... Uh, North Northumberland Hospice Care as well. The and the hospice care, care. Right, yeah, yeah, hospice care in Northumberland too great charities so we're both doing it raising money for great causes at the end of the day so yeah i must say as well it's not, um, fantastic to people who have sponsored again as andy said i've just i've literally been raised for nine nine sorry raising money for nine days so far set up an, a, a just giving page as i look live now as we record the podcast i'm just loading the page 
£1,370. So it's absolutely amazing. I've not even started the event. So 73 people have supported me. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much to those 73 people. I know the charities are really chuffed to pieces when yeah. we give them the money. And um, I know um, Northern National Park and Hospice Care North Northern Ramat is spending this weekend with them coming up. Uh, so we've got another event that we're doing with them. And then um, yeah, the Mountain Rescue guys will be over the oh, moon definitely. with it. So fantastic for that. And I've done the, um, that MS Relief and Research Fund, which I did last year. So that's my other one, you know. Yeah. And they're all, they're all, they all need the help at the end of the day. Yeah, so that's so great. If you can give it anyway, I say we all appreciate it's hard times just find uh, find the relevant page on just giving there's be links in the show notes as well we give you both andy's and mine uh, fundraising pages so we can give a small amount of uh, that is very much appreciated so catch up after the event watch us live tracking and yeah let's see if we can smash it in andy's words gotta get the playlist sorted now get the playlist right that's the final thing to do isn't it <laughs> have a double with the playlist you see it's all down to the playlist isn't it? yeah, so, yeah. That's gonna be it. so if anybody had any thoughts um yeah drop us an email um yeah fingers crossed you can watch us and uh, yeah hope you very much enjoyed this special mid-month podcast our normal podcast will be out on the first of the month we'll be a quick update then of where we got up to and how it all went then we'll do another mid-month podcast which um will be uh, in the middle of july um of exactly how we all book on what the lessons that we learned but until then thank you very much for listening to this special mid-month gps training podcast and uh let's do it andy yeah it's gonna be simple excellent well done thank no you. problem cheers thank you Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.